Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, which is how to market your plant provider business on a shoestring. Uh, but of course, first things first, that 4KSEC.com to sign up for all our live and virtual events. We are going to have our event in Las Vegas by hook or by crook in two weeks at the New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Um, you know, every single time I book an event, it seems to be a new variant. So maybe if I stop booking events, there'll be no new variants. I wish, but that's not the case. Um, we are going to be in the New York, New York Hotel Casino with special guest Spencer Haywood on January 21st. The 27th and 28th, we are going to be virtual for that 401k National Virtual Conference. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, two days of content with a lot of plan providers, a lot of interesting different plan providers from the previous year. April the 8th, we are going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, Chase Field. Um, June 24th, we'll be in Miami at uh, Lone Depot Park. Uh, we got an event uh, scheduled for October. We'll see what we do for May and September. You know, again, um, my grandmother always said, uh, you know, nothing... Uh, Nothing goes to plan. Life doesn't go to plan. And uh, I think there's that other quote, uh, you know, you plan and God laughs. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, that 4K conference has, has been a labor of love. And, you know, hopefully we can continue. Um, you know, it's, it's different. You know, my situation is different, let's say, from ARA or FI360 when these conferences are, are great generators of revenue. Um, you know, ARA with Napa and ASPA and whatnot, you know, they're a not-for-profit uh, trade organization and, you know, they need these conferences as a, as a revenue generator, you know, and if I would have to stop my events and it's always a possibility that I'll have to, um, you know, my business goes on. This is just really ancillary. I, you know, it's not like I'm making real money on these events. It's just a labor of love. And we'll see what happens. But uh, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events. I know that Phoenix and Miami, the registration is open. Uh, I didn't realize that I did the Miami event that the registration was open. And I, of course, will uh, let people know about it. Um, marketing on a shoestring. Uh, that's a, it's a topic that's really near and dear my heart. Um, you know, I started my practice 11 years ago. April will be 12 years. Uh, I've, you know, certainly learned a lot, uh, when I first started out, um, uh, when I started out, it was just a very interesting, uh, situation. I think people thought I was absolutely crazy. Uh, when I was at Meyer Swazi, um, it was just not a happy experience. Um, I didn't get the support that I thought I needed, wasn't generating the business that I thought I, I could. And about two months before I left, I said, you know what, if this is it, this is the end of my reign here, or the uh, reign of error, or whatever it is, I said to myself, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm tired of this. I can't work with people like this again. Um, if I'm going to fail, let me do it where I'm in complete control. And, you know, you learn some things. Um, you know, capital was certainly tight. Capital still tight, you know, Um you know, my business uh, in terms of, you know, having kids and whatnot and living on Long Island, uh, uh, I'll never be to the point where I'm satisfied with, you know, how my business is. But 
you know, I, I learned a lot and, um, you know, here's a lot of lessons that I learned and, and, and I just want to, you know, pass it on. And, and number one, uh, there's a cottage industry, in my opinion, of people trying to sell to plan providers. Um, when I started my own practice, I kind of learned that there were, you know, a bunch of people who, you know, networked with me and they simply wanted to separate me from my money. You'd attend these local network network events. I, I, I went I, when I was even at Maraswazi, I was I was attending these small business networking events, met a lot of nice, wonderful people. Uh, guy running it, uh, Dave, out here in Long Island, I just saw him a couple weeks ago, um, a couple months ago, actually, I think, at the, the local mall where he was running a networking event at some Cuban restaurant, and I was talking to him, and I told him why I was no longer, um, you know, attending his events, why I stopped. I, I, I was doing it for about a year or two, a, a year, I think, in Myers Swazi, then a year in my own practice. And uh, I found them to be a waste of time. Um, I, in terms of generating business, I don't think you know. I don't think it was a waste of time in, in terms of helping me polish uh, my speaking ability and whatnot and, and connecting. But uh, you know, we'd go to the local Panera, and then there's quite a few Panera breads on Long Island. You know, they'd have a meeting out in Hop Hog and. Rockville Center had one, and, and they would have one, I think, in uh, West Babylon or whatever it is. And, you know, uh, there'd, there'd always be somebody trying to sell me something. Uh, it would be somebody who, I remember wasting time. We had a, I met this guy, and he invited me to lunch at Panera in Garden City, which uh, I believe is uh, at one point was the best, uh, most business for Panera in the United States. I don't know if that's true anymore. Or I don't even know if they made that stuff up. But um, I met him, and they worked for I think AT&T was in the SEO business, search engine optimization. You know, and they're trying to sell me this stuff. They're not trying to network. They're trying to sell me something, and I kind of resent that. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, when I have LinkedIn <laughs> requests. Um, you'll get LinkedIn requests from people, you know, I, I, again, I, the older I get, I think the more and more I'm like Larry David. And, and when I get LinkedIn requests from somebody in the tech business or, uh, refer lawyer referral business, I am not going to accept that, um, invitation. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure nobody in that business is listening to this podcast, but I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to do it because I just realized that all you're going to be interested in doing is selling me. Same thing with anybody in the retirement plan space where, uh, you know, they're going to arrange a meetings, a referral service, all this kind of stuff. And the point is, is that you could simply go broke by hiring people um, to do your work, to help grow your business. And quite honestly, I don't know if any of these people generate any business. You know, years ago, uh, you know, uh, I, I hired a PR guy. I hired a PR, PR guy when I was at Meyer Swazi because the marketing department was inundated with requests from partners and the um, uh, we had a CFO guy who was doing articles dealing with law firm administration that wasn't generating business and whatnot. But anyway, uh, you don't have an unlimited budget. You can't hire everybody you need to. 
uh, and you have to make choices. Um, you know, uh, you know when you're making any consideration when you're hiring a, a marketing guru. And there are quite a few marketing gurus who are who are dedicated to the time plan space, and I've had them speak at my events, and I think they're great. When you're hiring them, or you're buying email lists, or you're buying buying meeting leads, you really have to do a, a kind of like a cost analysis to understand uh, whether it's really necessary. Um, what you want and what you need to market aren't mutually exclusive. Um, you may need one. Uh, you may need you know um, a marketing guru, but you might want to buy leads for plan sponsor meetings. Uh, needs, of course, always be come before wants. Um, you know, there's still a lot of things I like to do, and, and I just realized that I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I, I pushed off uh, spending a couple bucks on my websites uh, dealing with security, and um, I did it until I, I really needed to... Um, uh, I, I really needed to do that. Because uh, um, when you Google the Rosenbaum Law Firm and you, you hit the Google page, uh, all of a sudden someone hacked me and it takes you to uh, a Viagra or Cialis uh, website trying to sell it. So you need to identify what really is necessary. And, and again, like I said, I, I found it necessary to uh, you know pay a couple hundred bucks to you know for some protection on my website to make sure that. When you Google me, you don't go to a Viagra website. This is what happens. Um, you know, I, 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 I still to this day um, have a shoestring marketing budget. I just refuse, um, you know, to pay certain things because I've been burned in the past where, you know, you outlay uh, thousands and thousands of dollars and you just really don't see uh, any kind of return. And if I, you know, continually spent money on marketing um, – I'd have you know smaller margins and smaller profits, so that's why I like to um, you know put things out on a shoestring uh, in terms of marketing. I think one of the most important things that you have to do is identify your audience. You can't be everything to everybody, and you can't certainly market your practice to everyone either. Uh, you know, one of the big again, you know, again, like I said, the small business networking for me really was not a good fit um, for a financial advisor. Yeah, it might be a good fit, but you know, for a ERISA attorney, uh, it was a it was a bad fit. You know, you're dealing with small businesses who are only interested in selling their stuff. Um, they don't have budgets where they have employees. You know, uh, it's hard for me as an ERISA attorney to compete when if people do have a couple bucks, they're going to open up a SEP IRA or a solo 401k, and uh, I can't compete with Fidelity and Vanguard when they're giving away the plan documents for free. Um, I really understood that my best audience was other retirement plan providers uh, that could refer me business. CPAs and attorneys, I just didn't find a good fit where they would refer me work. Uh, I've met so many attorneys over the years and just really, you know, I was part of an attorney uh, accountant networking group for quite a few years and it just didn't work out. Um, it, it, it just... For some reason or not, it wasn't a good fit either. My hook, I identified my audience, and I realized that my hook was plan provider audience was to draft materials from my practice that could help them market their own services. So, you know, let's say 
the most popular article I've ever written. Uh, it's always the payroll provider TPA article. Everybody loves that. Every TPA loves that. Um, and if a TPA is marketing to a client, or you know, to a, to a client or a potential client about the the, the pitfalls of a, a payroll provider TPA, you know, and they use their own materials, uh, a, a plan sponsor might say, you know what, you're just doing that because uh, you know you're trying to get my business. You're just saying that. But then the TPA pulls out my article and they say, well, you know, there's this ERISA attorney out in Long Island who's saying the same things that we are saying. Uh, why don't you look at what he says and, and come back to us? And that really helped them, you know, generate business uh, to the point where I remember years ago I was invited by Empower uh, to speak uh, at their TPA forum uh, about uh, marketing uh, and dealing with, um, you know, competing against the payroll provider TPAs. Um, you have to identify your audience. Maybe it's accountants and attorneys because it didn't work for me, but your audience may be different from mine. Um, you know, it could be plan sponsors directly, uh, other plan providers, whatever it, may, it is. It's it's important that you identify your audience where, you, and you need to find where you can find that audience. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times you get pushed to sponsor literature tables at events. And quite a few times, these events for organizations don't have any kind of nexus to your practice. I used to belong to, like I said, an attorney accountant networking group on Long Island. And um, I, I thought it was a waste of time for me. Uh, you go to these events, you schmooze, and it's like, you know, a lot of attorneys are, are, are not a good nexus. I mean, business attorneys, yeah, maybe they could refer me, but, you know, the slip and fall ambulance chaser, you know, they're not going to have clients for me. Um, and it just, whatever it was, it was a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks for membership, and there were two events a year, and it just wasn't my thing. Um, but I felt worse for the plan providers. I, I knew a good local TPA and they took out a table and paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars and it was a complete waste of time. Uh, you need to be focused on business and, you know, is, is and the way to focus is to focus on the audience and, and identify that audience and, and see whether, uh, you know, again, uh, where you can find them. Um, if, if your goal is to meet accountants, well, maybe that attorney account network group might be the thing to, to sponsor a table. But if it's not, don't bother. Next, content is king. Um, you know, again, I I, uh, I hired a PR guy. First, it was seven fifty a month, and then when I started my own practice, it was a thousand bucks a month. So yes, I was an associated law firm paying seven hundred fifty dollars a month to market my own business that I couldn't deduct. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting. I, I, I continued with it for a couple months, and um, he really didn't understand what I did. And I, I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a problem. Uh, he wanted me, to, again, to network with his clients. He had a slip and fall ambulance chaser. I'm like, I, I, there's no nexus there. Forget it. And then he wanted me to rent out space from uh, a TPA that he was working with. And I'm like, you know what? Um, it's 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 just not a good fit, and what eventually got that guy fired is when you know starting my own practice. I think it might have been July or August, and he's telling me maybe I should take some time off. And when you are 
a person starting on their own and a lot of people around you thinking you're going to fail, uh, there's a lot of stress. Um, and when you got to come out with the mortgage amounts and you still, at that time, still had a nanny in the house that we eventually had to let go, it's a very stressful situation and don't tell me I should take some time off. So I got rid of him. Uh, he was a bad fit. But around that time, I met Mike Alford from Brightscope. Uh, he invited me down. He was speaking at some events at the Ritz-Carlton in Battery Park City. I went down, and I was, you know, a little dismayed about how things were going. And he basically told me, you know what, uh, the way we built our business with Brightscope was, um, you know, getting involved with the LinkedIn groups, putting out content, and, you know, just generating it that way, generating interest that way. And uh, Mike's advice is always good. <laughs> Made a, a Mike right now, they sold Brightscope, Mike and his brother Ryan, and they had another partner. They sold Brightscope a few years back. And Mike, uh, Mike is, uh, is golden to me because Mike makes me money. Mike is the, uh, was one of the first people who told me to invest in Bitcoin, you know, when it was seven, $8,000. So I'm very happy with Mike. Um, so Mike, uh, Mike is, uh, is, is a gem. Uh, there are a lot of other people who, who cost me money every single time. There's actually one advisor in particular. He moves from firm to firm, and once he moves from firm to firm, that I no longer have a relationship with that firm. So that guy, on the opposite, costs me money. Um, but, you know, the, the problem, LinkedIn really did work out. Um, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, learned about me. Um, social media was really, uh, you know, evolving. That's how, you know, with Twitter, I was able to get co uh, a comment in there on the Wall Street Journal. So content, in my opinion, is certainly king. Um, you know, but of course, there's, there's a lot of caveats out there. Um, you have to be engaged with your audience. You have to make sure that the articles are written in English, not a risk of ease. Um, can't be, can't, content can't be too commercial. Um, it's got to be neutral. It's it's all about building your reputation. Don't push yourself out there, uh, you know, just making it all about yourself. Put out content that's useful in a non-commercial setting. It's all about building your reputation. I mean, it's the same thing on LinkedIn. I mean, when, when people reach out to me and it's all about they're selling them their, their crap, I'm, I'm like, I'm not sure it's interested. Give me something I could use. And your crap isn't, you know, your commercial crap isn't something that I could use. Um, my writing is always like a cost to action, you know, uh, like the art article that this is based on. This isn't, you know, I, I write this article about, you know, doing this on a shoestring, it isn't saying, call me, call me, call me, call me. It, the inference is, I'm putting out content on you, uh, content out there for you. Uh, if you like what I say, then you'll reach out to me when you need me. It's a cost, you know, it, it's a cost action. And, and again, when plan uh, sponsors uh, and plan providers need me, they know that I will uh, be there. You know, the articles are free. And it beats any business card that ever existed. I can't remember the last time I handed out a business card. I mean, it just doesn't, I don't even carry business cards anymore. That's because now I have the minimalistic wallet. I used to have the, uh, uh, I used to have the George Costanza wallet, you know, with the, with the you know, uh, um, you know, uh, he had like an Exxon free map at the Exxon in Florida coupon. I would have this gigantic wallet 
and I'd have to replace it every six months because um, it just wouldn't fit. Now I carry like ten items in a carbon fiber wallet, so there's no there's no uh, there's no room for a business card. Uh, and you know, again, it builds a reputation. People will uh, call me when they need me, and and that's that's how it should be. Um, and that's why I always believe that content is king. Next on the hit list in terms of shoestrings, um, you know, sponsoring events. Um, another, you know, part of the cottage industry of, of selling to plant providers are, are certainly conferences. Uh, they are uh, on for profit, whether it's a company whose business is holding events. They could be for a not-for-profit industry group or even want to, you know, even an ERISA attorney who wants to increase uh, uh, his footprint, which would be me. Um, whether it's to speak or to, you know, maintain a literature table for these conferences, that you know, it's, unfortunately, it's uh, it's usually pay to play. Uh, you know, uh, it's a it's an interesting part of it. Um, a lot of conferences are not pay to play. A lot of the bigger ones, you know, uh, when I spoke at Schwab Impact, I didn't I didn't pay to speak. Um, FI three sixty, I didn't I didn't pay to speak. Some other events, you know, you, you have to pay to speak. My events, you know, they don't they don't pay for themselves. You you have to you know pay fifteen hundred dollars to speak. Um, but the problem with events, you know, to to, to speak and, and pay at my event or to pay at some of these other industry events, you know, that's that's just that's different to me than. Um, a national or local event that has nothing to do with retirement plans. Um, I think there is that, you know, interest of, you know, um, the local chamber of commerce wants you to sponsor a literature table. Uh, you can go broke sponsoring events and, uh, any event that you sponsor needs to be economical and, and somehow connected to the audience you need to help draw your business. You know, if you're, um, audience is advisors, you know, uh, a, a chamber of funeral home directors is probably not your good fit. And, you know, again, everybody wants to sell you something. Uh, you see it all the time, journal ads, this, this, and that. Uh, if you're connected to a business association, you know, I, I understand why you want to sponsor those events. Um, I know... A lot of financial advisors are tied to a specific industry. So the local funeral home directors, uh, the local cemetery plot associations, there'll be a financial advisor attached to it. But in terms of operating on a shoestring budget, you could certainly host your own events by operating a virtual conference on Zoom, WebEx, or whatever you're using, Microsoft Teams, I don't even know. Um, you know, as we see with that from 1K conference, it, it's still difficult to get live in-person conferences going and getting a good attendance. So, you know, a Zoom, you know, charge is like, you know, uh, I think I pay 150 bucks a month. Um, I just find, you know, hosting your own Zoom events more economical. I think that going forward, a lot of these, I've always said that a, a part of COVID, uh, the effect on it long-term is that a lot of these uh, national smaller conferences are going to be phased out. Only the stronger ones like NAPA, FI360, uh, those are going to survive and, and some of the lesser ones will not. And uh, um, 
online is cheaper. Uh, doesn't require people to travel, shell out thousands of bucks to, to attend their time, and you also ha don't have to deal with catering. Uh, the online newsletter, talking about shoestring budgets, there was an insurance agent who was somehow juiced in with my old law firm. I don't know how or why or if somebody was getting a cut of it. I don't know. Uh, they provided some insurance benefit, but of course he was trying to upsell. And unfortunately, I bought a disability policy through him. Uh, and I didn't know at the time that the firm wasn't picking up it. So for you know the 13 years since, I'm still paying that 118 bucks a month for uh, disability. Uh, I didn't like him. I didn't like this insurance agent. Uh, the reason I didn't like him, well, you know, the fact that he was juiced in over there. But more importantly, I saw what he was charging on term life insurance, and it was about $400 more a year uh, that I could get on my own. Um, for the longest time, I, I would still get a mailing from him. Um, it was his way of trying to connect with me. Um, but I really think that the mailing newsletters is a waste of money when you have people like uh, companies like Constant Contact or was it Chimp Mail? I think that's another one of the competitors. You know, I, I, I got constant contacts pretty much soon after I started my own practice. It's fairly inexpensive to run. Uh, when you think about it, how many contacts I have, and you can run as many newsletters as you want. I think I'm paying 200 bucks, 211 bucks, and I have 12,000 contacts. So, you know, you'll get inundated from me if you're on my list once a week, especially now with the events coming up. Um, I use it as a newsletter to inform plan sponsors, plan providers about retirement plan news, you know, my events, a digest of some of the articles that I've written. And, you know, I, I do get, you know, from time to time uh, feedback and interest and, and whatnot. So uh, it's a good use uh, of, of, of time and, and money. Last but not least, you know, podcast and video, um, you know, for the 70 people that listen to this podcast, uh, this is... This is a great way to connect um, video, which I have to go back doing it. I was doing this 401k university thing that I, I did, and then I stopped because the live events were coming back up. But, uh, you know, there are people that spend thousands and thousands of dollars on podcasts and video casts, a lot of the stuff that you can do on your own. Um, it's cheap. YouTube is free to load up. Um you know, I think the you know the most important thing uh, to understand is videos and podcasts, just like blog posts and articles, are just conversation starters, um, in in interaction, and that's what they promote, and that's really again how I did everything on a shoestring budget, not hiring a marketing person and whatnot, and of course there'll be marketing people will say, well, you know, we we see that you don't spend much money on a marketing, they'll shake their head at some of the things I do, but that's just really my, you know, my opinions or whatnot. And, and sometimes when you're opinionated, you, you rattle people and, and whatnot. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of that 401k podcast. Uh, join me next week for another one. Go to 401 for further information on all our live events. Take care. Bye.